There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The choice of a lawyer is important and shouldn't be based on an ad. After a serious car accident, people have two questions. Why me and what now? Well, no one knows why you, but I'm Terry Crouppen, and my law firm Brown & Crouppen sure can help with the what now. Car repairs, medical bills, lost wages, pain and suffering. We're Brown & Crouppen, and we've got all those answers. All you have to do is call. 222-2222. Well, Doug, you're right. Josh Heupel heard this and couldn't sleep Saturday night. He was afraid to come into Columbia. Yep. He's afraid to come back now. Tennessee did not look like a team that should be great. I know they've had good games this year, but on Saturday, they did not look like a very good team. Would it shock you if they if they beat Georgia? Like, absolutely shock you. Yes. See, I don't know. I mean... Tennessee. Could I, would, I would take Tennessee in the points this weekend. Yeah, I kind of I kind of think so as well. I don't think they'll beat them, but I think I wouldn't be absolutely shocked if they did. I think Georgia will destroy Tennessee, just like Missouri destroyed Tennessee. We shall see. I, I mean, I, I expected them to destroy Ole Miss after mm-hmm. getting snubbed on that number oh, one spot. By the way, I thanked you in the seven o'clock hour. <laughs> that was my pick of the year. Oh my God, we were sitting there on the stage at St. Gabriel's for the trivia night on on Saturday night, and I was telling all the boys. I said, James talked about it. I guess Iggy and Jackson bet the over, right, Jackson? Is that what no, you I bet the spread. You bet, the, you bet Georgia minus the points? You're mm-hmm. fine. I'm just like, Ole Miss, and we have some, we have some Ole Miss graduates who are really kind of hypersensitive about it. I don't know what the deal is, but whatever. So is it a shot at Ole Miss? It's just an analysis of college football. Ole Miss may be a good team, but they don't have a defense. So Georgia, and when you came in last week, and the team total for Georgia was 31 and a half, mm-hmm. I go, oh, my God. This was up there with me for, like, the Missouri wins at six and a half going, this is kind of in the category of I've got to bet it. I bet it, but I didn't bet as much as I I really should have unloaded. And, by the way, I misclicked and took the under, and I had to oh no contact my guy. Oh, gotcha. En <laughs> <laughs> route to St. Gabriel's going, hey, man, got to let you know. I misclicked. I meant to put the over on Georgia. And it nearly covered at the half. It darn near did, yeah. God bless America. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, talking SCC. The firings. We had another one this morning. We might have another one today. Our sources uh, in Arkansas are texting in saying, and I say sources lightly, uh, that that Sam Pittman, they think, is going to be gone, and Gus Malzahn coming into Arkansas. Zach Arnett out at Mississippi State. Jimbo Fisher yesterday. uh, And, of course, Missouri's dominating, dominating performance over Tennessee. It's time to talk it over with the Colonel, presented by this gentleman right in here, James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. Morning, Colonel. Hey, guys. Hey, before we talk about Missouri, if you're taking the points with Tennessee this weekend, how many points is Tennessee getting? Like 59 and a half? (laughs) (laughs) Colonel, Colonel, Colonel. Uh, I believe the number is only 10. Run them off the field. All right. I think so, too. That's fine. That's fine. The buildings are big in Las Vegas. Tennessee just had their hearts ripped out in Missouri. 
And and I think Georgia will just yeah. tub thump them. Georgia, I mean, they they haven't wrapped I mean, there's up. Nothing left for Tennessee. You're talking about the difference between like the Gator Bowl and the Music City Bowl or something. That, that that's all that's left. I believe the number is ten, and my guess oh, is a lot is. of people will be on the Bulldogs. Yep, it's plus ten. You just you just tease that down to four, and you're in good shape. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is uh, it is uh, Georgia minus ten. Oh, and they they got it listed eleven. It's a two thirty game, right? It is, yeah. The place where I go and place a friendly wager. What's the biggest game this weekend, by the way? Any game that Mizzou plays, Tim. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. I don't know. This is a crap weekend. I guess it's yeah, before rivalry are... weekend, and there's really nothing great. Utah, Arizona? Jeez. There aren't many good games, honestly, um, because so many of the conferences. I, I think probably Oregon State-Washington is the biggest game. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, yeah, some Missouri fans uh, a little irritated that Oregon State keeps po- – Oregon State hasn't played Washington or Oregon yet. So, you know, right. the Beavers – If Oregon State wins its last two games, they fully deserve to be ahead of Missouri. 100%. If they don't, they will drop below right. Missouri. That's so, why these rankings that are released every Tuesday night, like, people have got to understand, it's just entertainment. <laughs> they don't matter at all. Like, Ohio State and Michigan are one and three or whatever – fine they're going to play each other they won't finish there yeah it is uh i guess all it tells you is that they value the resume of who you've beaten i suppose and at this point now i think georgia then passes ohio state because penn state which by by the way you cautioned against that on uh on friday colonel i have to give you credit uh i have to give james carlton credit on the georgia play uh with the team total against ole miss I was saying upset alert, Penn State, Michigan. I'd watched a little Penn State, Ohio State. That's all I had seen of Penn State this year. And you said they cannot score. Their offense is stunning. I watched that on Saturday. Holy crap, you were right. James Franklin terminated the offensive coordinator yesterday. What an operation that is. Everyone involved with that offense should be charged with a criminal offense. Oh, they're going gosh. to jail. I thought it was and, just entertainment. Um, <laughs> but, but, but no, oddly, Penn State is actually the team Missouri fans really need to pay attention to tomorrow night in the rankings. Um, Missouri needs Penn State to fall below them in the college football playoff rankings to be – pretty sure about a new year six bowl bid so if that's important to you to play in the fiesta bowl or the peach bowl or the cotton bowl rather than the citrus bowl the team you're going to need to pass is penn state um and look i think missouri is you can debate whether they're a better team than penn state i think they've clearly had a better season than penn state penn state has beaten iowa and seven nobody they have played two real games it's deceptive. If you look at the final score, they lost by eight to Michigan or eight to Ohio State and nine to Michigan. Neither one of those games was anywhere near that close. Those games were over in early in the third quarter. I mean, Michigan ran the ball on 32 straight plays to end that game. That is it, so they had amazing. No thought that Penn State could possibly beat them. Exactly, and that is why Missouri took the route it took against South Carolina. When some fans are like, "What the hell's going on?" They're like, "South Carolina's not going to be able to score. We're just going to get out of here with a win." So who cares? Yeah. Uh, Kurt- and, and so it, it comes down to it's like Selection Sunday. It's like, well, what does this particular committee care about? Do they care about your best wins? Do they care about quality losses? Is it the eye test? Is it how you're playing? We have no idea. 
so like there's you know Missouri and Ole Miss, which one's going to be ranked higher is is kind of fascinating because Missouri's got the recency bias. They they I think they're a better team if you watch them play. But if you if all ten games so far count, the fact is Ole Miss probably has a little edge because they beat LSU, right. which is one of the teams that beat Missouri. And their two losses are Alabama and. Georgia, Georgia, even though the Georgia one was certainly a lot different ball game than the Missouri one. Colonel, I want to make sure we spend some time on what took place Saturday because uh, I was reading your column this morning, which I always recommend for college football fans, taking the Missouri element out of it, uh, on powermizzou.com, 10 thoughts for Monday morning. And you write this, it's worth discussing whether Missouri's 36-7 win over Tennessee was the best single game performance of my lifetime. Colonel is, uh, what are you, 47, 48? 47. 47 Bills. Uh, he said uh, there might be some games, Doug, that uh, like the Dan Devine era, there was a 3 nothing win over Notre Dame and Joe mm-hmm. Montana in 1978 in South Bend. But if we can just include those who are listening to this program, we can include most people uh, for the last 23 years listening to this show. It certainly would be in that class. Uh, You cite how people might talk about the Kansas win at Arrowhead, and that might have been the most important. But as far as dominating of a team that is considered a quality opponent, that's there. And I want to add this because I want to get your perspective on it as well. It wasn't just dominating with all guns blazing. They decided to go with a three-man front defensively, throwing Heupel off. I think that played a big role in it. And then two of the linebackers weren't available. And then on the other side of the football, that wasn't the Luther burden we saw running all over the field against LSU, for example. Uh, That's not the same guy, I don't think, anyway. And yet they were able to put up that kind of offensive total. I mean, he had, what, five yards at the half, and Missouri had 300 yards? So to dominate like that without the team fully healthy, with coaching strategy playing a role in it, with the offensive line opening up the holes for the star of the game, Cody Schrader, that was a phenomenal win and truly one of the biggest statements Missouri has made in recent years. Yeah, that looked like Missouri, South Carolina this year. Just kind of, even when it was 7-3 Tennessee, you look at the game and go, but Missouri's just been way better. I I know the scoreboard doesn't say it because they had an interception at the 15 and, and Tennessee hit one big play, but Missouri was just better on almost every snap. The, the game a lot of people have brought up is like the 2007-2008 games that Missouri beat Nebraska pretty badly. Those Nebraska teams, like at the time, were considered good. They ended up being, right. you know, decent, not great. Um, Tennessee came in number 13, and, and you can argue where they're going to finish, you know. But I think that's a top 25 team, and they looked like they didn't belong on the same field as Missouri. What is it that, that has made Corey Schrader so good? Because he certainly doesn't fit the profile of one of the best backs in the, in the nation, but he's, he seems to always hit the, the right hole. Is, is that what it is, or, or what is it? I think the big thing that made him good is changing his name to Cody. <laughs> I knew the colonel was going to jump on that. Colonel's not going to let a fastball pass him. I'm not going to let that go. Yeah, um, no, but, no, it, look, he just, I mean, he's put in a ton of work. He's... Uh, but what amazes me watching this team play is Cody Schrader does what he does, and then Nate Pete comes in the game, and all of a sudden the running game just it just dies. It, I mean, it honestly looks like, and I know this can't be true, it looks like when Cody Schrader goes to the sideline that the offensive line just stops blocking, and that can't be true. Um, you know, I, I think the best trait he has is that his bad runs get a yard. 
you know, I mean, he, he just – sometimes you've got to understand, I can't dance, I can't bounce outside, there's nowhere to go, let me just plow forward and get three feet if I can get three feet. He doesn't lose yardage. Now, you know, he had a lot of, like, 15- to 30-yard runs. He's not going to break very many for 60. He'll do it every now and then, but just the, the sheer speed, he's not going to do that a ton. But he gets the maximum that is there on every single play. And he is a – I mean, if you look at Eli Drinkwitz's Twitter timeline since Saturday, it is basically a Cody Schrader commercial. Uh, he is retweeting everything that mentions Cody. He is a coach's dream. He does everything the right way. He's always in the right place. And it, clearly a guy that, you know, came here from Truman State and nobody thought he belonged and has spent, you know, two full years now – waking up every day saying, I'm going to prove every one of these people wrong. Kind of on that note, Gabe, I was talking with a friend of mine, Chris. What's up, Chris, if you're out there? Uh, just Who's the other Chris? day. Chris? <laughs> My buddy Chris. Chirping. Oh. And uh, he, was, he, he made a point. He goes, you know, Eli is frustrating sometimes as a game day coach, but, boy, he gets his guys ready to play. I mean, we were kind of concerned how would they bounce back after a tough loss that they put so much into against Georgia. But what, what got me thinking is how about the leadership in that locker room? I mean, these captains, I remember Pinkle talking about the captains in 07. These have to be right up there with Darius, with Cody, with Brady. I mean, these guys, these guys are, are warriors, and they come out ready every week, even after a couple tough losses to LSU and Georgia. Just your limited interaction with some of these young men, how, how much do they impress you? Yeah, I, I think, first of all, it has to come from the players. Like, the coach can say whatever he wants and do whatever, but, it, you know, it's the guys in the locker room that, that set the tone. And, and you're right, I remember that 07 team, I mean, if you talk to anybody on that team, it was Pig Brown and T. Rucker and Lorenzo Williams and uh, Tommy Saunders, you know, that, that got those guys going. And in the 08 team, uh, people on that on both teams would tell you the reason in 08 they didn't quite get there was that those guys were gone. Uh, Interesting. Guys, Interesting. You know, Robinson, uh, J.C. Carlisle, guys that could have left came back, and Darius has said this out loud, he came back for this season, for – for the chance at something he had not ever gotten to experience at Missouri, which was Faroe Field jam-packed every week, playing big games on CBS, playing for something in November. You know, none of these guys have had that. And and I think it's also, you know, these are old guys. I mean, they've been here four, five, six years, you know. This is – and, like, Luther is their best player, but Luther isn't their leader. He's a sophomore. You know, I, I mean, he's not the guy that's that's going to set the tone in the locker room every single day. That's Brady Cook. It's Schrader. It's Robinson. It's Carlisle. Um, you know, I, we're probably missing some. I'm sure Tyron Hopper, Chad Bailey are involved there. So, yeah, those guys deserve a lot of credit. I think the most impressive thing about this Missouri season, and it, it, I said last week it was the only difference between Missouri and Tennessee. Tennessee had had a bad day where they just didn't play well and lost to Florida. Missouri hasn't had a bad day that cost them. Now, you can say, well, they didn't play very well against Middle Tennessee, and they right. didn't, but they won the game, right. so that doesn't go down as a bad day. Their only two losses, they weren't like they weren't Ole Miss no-shows at Georgia. They right. were just, hey, they played pretty well and got beat by a really good team that played a little better. I, uh, I, that's a great observation on the leadership element, and that, that, that was the thing, James, going into it, that I was just like, I, they absolutely can beat Tennessee. I wasn't really sold on Tennessee. I was wondering how they were going to come out after the Georgia game, just being all in. You'll see some teams just fall off 
once they have that moment. The 2010 Missouri team, for example, Gabe, they beat Oklahoma, then they fell off against Nebraska, certainly had some injuries, but then they compounded it with a loss to Texas Tech, and then things kind of... In 2008, Missouri lost to Oklahoma State, and literally, murdered. the next day, it was like, there is nothing left. Yep, and I, and I was in Austin for that following week where they got just skull-pounded by Texas uh, for that one. So let's, let's talk about a variety of different angles here on this thing. Uh, you lay out on Power Mizzou the bowl situation and what it most likely looks like and then eventually come to a conclusion on on your projections on this thing essentially people might be cheering for florida state a, a louisville or, or against one or the other but the acc is going to have a team in that new year's six mix no matter what um well as of now they're going to have two no matter what right what i should say two. florida state to not make the play right so that so there's so there's that then then, uh, then you know that Ohio State and LSU, excuse me, Ohio State and Michigan, uh, that's going to be represented. Washington, Oregon, that's going to be represented. Uh, you know Tulane, at least most likely it's going to be Tulane. One of those schools from the uh, group of five is going to be represented. So essentially it comes down to two of the three, most likely, operating on the premise that Ole Miss wins, they got two butt asses left, one's a, a random and then Mississippi State, and that's kind of random at this point. Penn State's got randos as well. Missouri's got Florida and Arkansas to finish off. If they all win, then two of those three get New Year's Six Bowls. Is that correct? In all likelihood, yeah. And, and look, there are things, like if Iowa goes and wins the Big Ten title game, then one of those teams gets bumped out because as the Big Ten champ, Iowa's automatically in, and Michigan and Ohio State will still be in, even even if one of them obviously loses to the other one. So, yeah, it, it probably comes down to Penn State, Ole Miss, Missouri. Two of the three are going to get in. Uh, the third one will go to the Citrus Bowl. Uh, they, so, it, assuming they all – again, Missouri goes loses to Florida or Arkansas, this all changes. But if they win their last two – the floor is the Citrus Bowl, which would probably be against Iowa because if Missouri's not in the in the New Year's Six, that means Penn State probably is. So again, yes, you'd love Penn State to drop one. To I mean, they I don't even remember who they have left. It's terrible teams. And maybe Ole Miss could lose the Egg Bowl. That seems extremely unlikely. Mississippi State's terrible. So it, you know, yeah, you're rooting for Florida State to maybe lose to Florida in the last week of the season which would knock them out of the playoff, but then they could still win the ACC and they would be in, but that would knock Louisville out right. probably if Louisville loses one. Um, because the problem is, let's say Florida State were to, you know, lose the ACC title game. Well, that automatically puts the ACC champ in, but, but then Florida State's still in. So what you need is the ACC champ not to be in the top four, and that is your best path to if that happens, if Florida State's not in the top four, then I, I think Missouri is almost definitely in at 10-2. and two. So is it pretty important that Missouri is ranked ahead of Ole Miss and Penn State tomorrow night? I mean, how important is that? I think it is. I, I think it is because, again, those two teams are playing games that it's going to be very tough for them to lose, and Missouri doesn't have a game like a Tennessee game left where you can go, oh, that's really going to impress people. I mean, if they beat Florida and Arkansas, I think they're 10-point favorites against Florida. I think they will be close to that against Arkansas and only that low because it's it's in Fayetteville. So they don't have a win left that you're going to go, oh, that'll leapfrog them over some people. 
So I think Tuesday night is important. Now, that said, again, these rankings are stupid. They're just entertainment. <laughs> they mean nothing. We could get to two weeks down the road, and the committee just goes, well, we thought this was going to take care of itself, and it didn't. And we know we've had Old Miss and Penn State ahead of Missouri, but we think Missouri's better, so we're going to move them up to rectify it. I mean, you know. Colonel, let me uh, present this scenario to you and see what you think. We were debating this on the program earlier on. Gabe DeArman with us, presented by James Carlton. He's my insurance agent. He's online at carltoninsurance.net. He's the Plowlocks insurance agent as well. Let's say uh, Georgia loses to Alabama. So Georgia has a loss. Alabama has a loss. Uh, we know Michigan or Ohio State's going to be undefeated. I guess we don't know it, but we're operating on the premise one of them is going to be undefeated. Florida State finishes undefeated. Washington finishes undefeated. So at that point, Georgia would have a loss to Alabama. Alabama has a loss to Texas, and also I need to operate on the premise that Texas wins out and has a loss and is the Big 12 champion. Which of those three teams gets the final playoff spot if Washington, Michigan slash Ohio State, and Florida State's in? Absolutely no idea. I I mean, like, on one hand you go, well, you can't give it to Georgia because they lost Alabama and didn't win the SEC. But you also can't give it to Alabama because they lost to Texas. But you also can't have a playoff without the SEC, the best team in the in the best conference. I, I don't know. that. I, my guess is it would go to Alabama in that case, um, and the college football world collective mind would explode outside of Tuscaloosa. Um, it, it's, it's what we should all kind of root for, right? Now, I, I'll be honest, I, I don't think Washington's going to get there. I think Oregon's better than they are, and I think Oregon's going to uh, beat them in the Pac-12 title game. But then that's the same scenario, sure. right? 12-1 Oregon, right. and is in that mix um, with Texas, Alabama, and, and Georgia. It, it'll be fascinating, and it's why, I mean – Man, this year would be really cool for 12 teams. Like, Missouri is in if it's 12, right? Ole Miss is in if it's 12. Um, Missouri is in position maybe if things go right to host in a 12-team playoff. Oh, dog. You know, and and then now the the proponents of the four-team will say, but if it's 12, Washington, Oregon, and Georgia, Bama, and Michigan, Ohio State don't matter because those teams are already in. And and that's true, but, I mean, there's got to be some trade-offs. Uh, Colonel, uh, we saw Jimbo Fisher lose his job yesterday. This morning we've seen Zach Arnett. Tough tough week for Jimbo, man. Only 77 mil to walk away. That's right. That's a bad beat. Uh, He should have majored in journalism. Uh, (laughs) Then Zach Arnett loses his job this morning uh, at Mississippi State. A lot of people don't know who he is, but he replaced Mike Leach when he passed away, and he got 11 games to coach, Doug, and then he's gone. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sam Pittman may be gone sometime in the near future in Fayetteville. Uh, before I go to my big picture question, do you think Billy Napier is safe in Gainesville if they lose to Missouri and, and lose to uh, the Seminoles to wrap things up? I think probably because he ha- he is recruiting really well this year. He has a, a, a really good class led by a, a quarterback named DJ Lagway that's, that's one of the best in the country. Um, I think he's would be okay but would go into next year like knowing – Hey, it's got to be like eight, like six and six, maybe even seven and five. Probably ain't getting this done. Right. So, with that all said, uh, I was surprised, honestly, that Pete Thamel didn't list Eli Drinkwitz as a potential name. Now, again, this is Pete Thamel, I think, just yeah. firing things up. You, you just, I mean, just you just Pete dismissed it right away. You, you know, he is not. So, if I, I would just think that schools go, man, look at this guy. He just turned forty. He has done what he has done, at the very least, 8-2. and two. 
and he's got recruiting going in Columbia, four straight sellouts. I, you don't think that think, schools are going to go uh, be interested? I think some schools will. I do not think schools that are clearly better. I, I do not think Texas A&M will have interest in Eli Drinkwitz. Um, what about now, in Gainesville, if that were to happen? Um, that That's possible. Um, you know, if, if you got to that, um, I, I, I guess he might be a candidate there. Um, I, I think his name would probably be on the list. Like, his name, I bet, will pop up on a Mississippi State list. That That's a worse job. I mean, it's a worse job than Missouri. I don't really think there's much doubt about that, to be honest. So it, jobs that I think Eli has to do something like this again before his name is going to pop up for jobs that – there would be a serious consideration. Hey, is he going to go? Now he does. He goes and goes ten and two again. Makes a twelve team playoff next year. You know, Brady and Luther are leaving after next year. All that. Then yes, then you have a conversation, and it's why some Missouri fans are saying, "Let's get a, out ahead of it now and give him more money." You know, this year before that really becomes a, an issue. Obviously, no one has learned anything from. Mel Tucker and Jimbo Fisher and, and all these things, um, you know, but Hey, if, if that's what Missouri chooses to do, it's not my money. I don't really care if that's what, what they want to spend it on. Um, but I, I just don't see this year being a year where Drinkwitz has an opportunity that he, he really would have to consider. Uh, he does it again next year. I can see it. I think the bigger question is whether he will have to replace one or both coordinators yeah. after this year. Yeah. What do you think on that? And what can Missouri do about it? I mean, at, the, at some point, do you well, think that these guys get in the mix for a head coaching job? Um, Blake Baker, I think, I, I mean, look, LSU was going to hire a new defensive coordinator after this year. Their, their defense is an abject disaster. They're going to make a change there. He's worked at LSU before. He's a Louisiana guy. I think his wife maybe went to LSU. I'm not sure that's 100% accurate but uh he's from down there you know and so that hey the the guy that's not getting it done right now is making two million blake's making 1.2 that there aren't very many places he would probably leave to be a defensive coordinator but i I think you'd have to be concerned about that the other thing about the coaching carousel is okay as a&m's going to hire someone what if they hire mike elko from duke duke is now open Right. Um, what if Willie Fritz at Tulane gets a job? Um, you know, there's a domino effect in these things. Like Mississippi State's going to hire somebody, which is going to create another opening. So is Baker a candidate for those? Um, I think he's a guy that, if I'm a G5 athletic director, I think his name's definitely on my list as a head coach. I'm not sure Kirby Moore is ready to be a head coach yet. Uh, Boise State fired their guy yesterday. That's obviously where Kirby and his brother played. I don't think he's probably yet at the level where he's getting a, a an offer as Boise State's head coach, but I don't know that it would be impossible. Um, so I think Kirby is more likely to to for Missouri to be able to rest easy with him. But look, he's he's done a phenomenal job. I I would think if you are a big time program looking for an offensive coordinator, at least his his name is in the mix, and and you can't ignore the fact that. Look, his brother is a, an offensive coordinator in the NFL. I, I don't know if that's something that would, would be of interest, but I, I guess it's always possible. Would you suspect Mizzou will be strong enough next year? they got enough players coming back that they'll be a, a strong contender for one of those top 12 spots? Yeah, it's so tough, right? With the, with the transfer portal, I mean, 
we don't know who's leaving. We don't know who's coming in. We don't know who's – I mean, you don't know what anybody's roster looks like until June. So it, it, it's really tough to say. I mean, it, it's good that they've got uh, Cook and, uh, you know, Luther Burden back. Theo Weiss could go pro. Cody Schrader can't come back. Javon Foster can't come back. Xavier Delgado can't come back. They're, I'm guessing Chris Abrams Drain and Ennis Rakestraw go pro. Tyron Hopper may go pro. Uh, Darius Robinson's gone. They basically they lose Robinson for sure. Jaden Jernigan, I think for sure, could lose Christian Williams. Realist George is gone. You know, I mean, there's a lot to replace, but that's what that's what college football is. I, I just think, I mean, everybody will come out on whatever the day after the national title game is with here's my top 25, but it's all ridiculous because we don't know what anybody's team's going to look like. What about when Joe Lenardi does his bracketology yeah. and has the matchups in the regions? I mean, that's accurate. Yeah, starting and, times. And then after after literally one day of the regular season, does a revised <laughs> everybody had even played. Like, I, I, I mean, hey, and I get, like, you know, it, it's hilarious because people complain about clickbait, and it's the ultimate clickbait, but like it works. I mean, people work on it. That is why it is written, you know. ESPN doesn't show Yankees Red Sox every day because everybody would rather see Brewers Mariner. Ooh, sounds like a good one, Doug. Mm-hmm. Be fun to watch that. I see the pitching match up there. Yeah. It might be nice. James, do you have anything uh, else for the Colonel? I think I'm good. Wow, you, James always brings in notes, which makes us uncomfortable. I've told you that, James. Who is this Chris? Yeah. My buddy Chris. He's yeah. a longtime listener. That's, we have a question. We want to know who Chris is. <laughs> Uh, Colonel, always good to talk it over with you. Uh, wonderful coverage on PowerMizzou.com, Missouri and Florida coming up. Also, SIUE and Jackson dis, uh, discredits SIUE, so he is catching a lot of hell from the Edwardsville right. fans As today. Well he should. So yeah. that's uh, happening. Yes. Uh, <laughs> thank, thank you, Colonel. All right. We'll see you guys. There he is. Okay. That's Gabe DeArmond with us here, brought to you by this gentleman. He's on my left. Uh, his name is James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, carltoninsurance.net. And I'd say he's the best in the business. So mm-hmm. there, take that. You got time for a couple quick hypotheticals. Yeah. Doug's taking hypotheticals sure. this morning. So if, if Mizzou and Penn State were to square off, who what, what's the spread? Uh, I'm assuming everybody's playing, which is always you True. know the question mark, but we'll do that for the purpose of the hypothetical. I would say... Missouri minus three and a half. What about Mizzou versus Ole Miss? Okay, so this is just a, something that won't happen, but for the purpose of because the Because how are, how are they thinking this through, the CFP? I mean, I think on a neutral Gabe's field. Gabe's got Missouri playing Washington in his projections. I would love that. Uh, in the Fiesta Bowl. On a neutral field, I think I think Mizzou beats Ole Miss and Penn State, but, you know, maybe I'm not objective enough. I want to hear no, no, I, I'd like to think I am. It's, it's interesting. Last year and two years before, I was a Missouri hater. Now I'm Missouri homer. It's great. <laughs> It's like Republicans are like, man, he's a hardcore Democrat. Democrats are like, you're a Republican. I'm like, this is great. This is wonderful. I must be doing my job. Um, I would say Missouri, Ole Miss, neutral field. Missouri, I would say Missouri minus. I'd, I'd go in that. What it would be set at, I think, like three and a half. But they'd be favored in both of those games. Yes, so, absolutely. I mean, that, that's. That, I hope they think this through like that. I mean, if these two teams played on a, on a neutral field, who do we think would win? That's how they should organize these rankings. We can't. We can't help which conference they're in, who they who they hosted, who they didn't host. Right now, at this day on January first, who who would be favored? That's how I think. That's how they should settle this. I would be very surprised if Missouri was behind Penn State. I can understand them being behind Ole because Miss, of the common opponent. Yep. Yes, and also I mean, it's not like Ole Miss has a bad loss. Penn mm-hmm. State doesn't either, but Penn State doesn't have great win. I mean, their best win is Iowa, and then I guess it's Maryland. <laughs> I don't know or West Virginia. I mean, it's just. 
And listen, I was Mr. Penn State 72 hours ago, so I watched that, and I go, oh, my God. I just, for the life of me, Pollock, I know you're a Big Ten guy. I, I, why is there no offense in that conference? I realize, in part, you have to credit the defenses. Doug, they are on scholarship also. Hell, on scholarship, That's too. That's what I was trying to say. Right. But, my God, it it's is like something there's, else. There's never any separation from any wide receivers. And now we're excluding, <laughs> like, Ohio State and Michigan. You're talking like Yeah, but even Ohio average. State is having an offensive issue this year. Don't get me wrong, they have Marvin Harrison. But still, I mean, they've had some offensive issues themselves. I mean, when I was watching the Indiana-Illinois game, I was blown away because I was... What was the final, 48-45 or something? 46-43 or 48-45, yeah. yeah. And the game I went last year was 7-6. to six. So, like, that's your typical Big Ten game. Like, Iowa is, like, the, the definition of Big Ten football. Sometimes they'll score 22. Sometimes they'll get 100 yards of total offense. Like, you just don't know what you're going to get. So that's why I kind of like having the Pac-12 team coming in there to maybe it completely revamps and changes the Big Ten-style play. I'm a Big Ten guy, but it is tough to watch some of those games. I was only laying three-and-a-half at home against Illinois this weekend. Yeah. Is it I possible mean, the, the Big is Ten is just in an era where they don't have very good quarterbacks? I, I think people don't want to play in cold, frigid weather for 50 percent of the games. I realize I do, I do, I do wonder case. about that as far as top-tier offensive talent. It's like, God, that, that's, 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 that. This isn't just like, ah, oh, big-time offense. I'm wondering if there's a real cause and effect, you know? I mean, 12 years ago, the SEC, 12, 13 years ago, the SEC was in an era of defense. I don't know if people remember that LSU, oh, God. Alabama. Yeah. It's terrible. And, <laughs> and now it is, it's, it's the opposite, and the Big Ten is in this strange spot because it's not i mean people joke about iowa and i understand that but it's not just oh no iowa if we get to that scenario uh where alabama and georgia are playing in the sec and texas hasn't lost and washington runs the table and florida state runs the table for the for the conspiracy theorists that came out for the mizzou georgia game if there's some phantom pi flags on alabama in that game because they know that they kind of need georgia to win to guarantee a spot in the Mm -hmm. uh in the final four, uh, not a bit, not a, not a bad, not a bad little observation. <laughs> James Carlton's giving out wagering Al- tools. Alabama, Alabama gets hosed by the SEC officiating as a conspiracy. Yeah. That would be incredible. Josh Heupel uh, wouldn't know what to do with that. Well, uh, I know nobody nobody beats Mizzou if the Tigers wear the block him black helmet. Look good. How about that? They're intimidated. <laughs> they see that they go. I don't think so. I think we'll cash it in for the day. For Tennessee, they'll probably rock the anthracite for Florida. Uh, Ten point favorites, you know. Uh, G- Gary Pinkle's cell phone etiquette is passionate about Penn State's offense, which is a surprising position to take. But I got to tell you, Doug, hmm. got to respect it. Uh, he says Penn State has 377 points, for which would be maybe third in the SEC. Only SEC teams with more points scored than Penn State or LSU and Georgia, and of course. That's apples to apples. I respect Gary Pinkle's cell phone etiquette. Uh, I'm just going to give you where they scored their points. 63 of those points came against Delaware, which is in the mix for the college football playoff if if the right things happen. Another 63 of those points came against UMass. So, Doug, that's 126 of the points. And Lou Rowe. Mm -hmm. And then 51 points of those came against Maryland, which is known for its defense. Yeah, and Lefty Drussell. That's correct. So, um, you know, if you want to incorporate that into the conversation, maybe you would back off of the Penn State offenses doing great things. But, hey, maybe not. Maybe this Penn State offense is Mm -hmm. so good that James Franklin made a mistake yesterday when he (laughs) fired his offensive coordinator, Gary Pinkle. You might want to reach out to him. You can almost go through every major college and come up with a name that kind of best represents that school, just kind of like how we've done. 
Who would the Missouri guy be around the country? People say Missouri. What's the name that people would think of? Oh, yeah. In terms of the player? Just player or coach or, you know, you think Indiana, I think Bobby Knight. Oh, I got probably Chase or Brad, I would guess. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I'm not sure Mizzou has just one outstanding personality. Quinn. Quinn. Maybe Norm Stewart. I was yeah, about to say, it go. might be Norm. Go. I mean, you got to be yeah. a certain age. I mean, mm-hmm. Jackson doesn't know anything about Norm Stewart. I mean, he knows yeah. about him, but he didn't experience any of that. What about Lennon Clazer? Clazer. Gary Pinkle's cell phone etiquette says Delaware's on scholarship, too. Well, they are. But <laughs> like they were a trivia question on Saturday night. None of them had scholarship offers from better football schools. <laughs> True. I don't think you'd say. Let's Joe see. Flacco chose to go to Delaware. I got Michigan. I got Ohio State. I got Delaware. I'm going to Delaware. The Blue Hens. I don't think it happens. Guys, I will beat Illinois for nothing. That's from Two Fat Kayak <laughs> in the uh, cover. Illinois yeah. got Johnny Paddock, baby. Yeah, how about Johnny Paddock? You, you know, you the... talk about Tommy oh. DeVito <laughs> and the job he's doing is the Giants went in and handed it to the Cowboys yesterday. Paddock had one of the best <laughs> college football games all year. In terms of just pure stats. Where did that come from, Blow? I have no idea. <laughs> I, I don't even know why he's playing, I guess. Altmeyer's hurt. I don't follow it too much. But I saw Johnny Paddock through the game winner last uh, last week and do another one. It's a great college football name. Johnny Paddock. Johnny Paddock. Got Johnny a Paddock. sick little stash. There was a crowd there a lot, uh, on Saturday, too, which I was kind of surprised with. Beautiful day. And playing Indiana kind of, you know, not really in it. You know, you talk about Anthony Thompson and the job he did with Indiana. Was that 92? Was it 90? 92? I don't know. I, I don't know the years, Tim. Uh, James, thank you so much for coming in and talking it over. Have a good one. Are you going to the game against uh, the Gators? Absolutely. There I'll see is. you out there. Oh, okay. We'll see James you there. Carlton. Uh, Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency is my insurance agent. And he's online at Carlton Insurance. He's Plowhawks Insurance Agent as well. Illinois Recovery Center is the new. Premier inpatient substance abuse facility in Swansea, Illinois. When it comes to the disease of addiction, getting help should not be as difficult as it currently is. The Illinois Recovery Center's mission is to be the receiving hand in the community when someone seeks help. The IRC delivers a comprehensive system of care that welcomes both the individual struggling and family alike. If you or someone you know wants to learn about the Illinois Recovery Center, please call 888-472-9559 or email info at IllinoisRecoveryCenter.com. Com. We are in cuffing season. We're in cuffing season. And if you are thinking about getting engaged, support the sponsors. Go to Glenn Betts Jewelers. That's G-L-E-N-N-B-E-T-Z Jewelers.com. They are located uh, on Manchester in De Pere, And the parking is plentiful off of Manchester because it's right behind the building. It's about a mile east of the I-270 Manchester exit. And uh, you can work with the great Craig Betts and David Betts, fourth, third, and fourth generation of the Betts family. Uh, Glenn Betts Jewelers started in 1941. There you are. Uh, they get to know you. And you're not just walking in and they're going, oh, well, let's see what his budget is. All right, let's go. No, 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 no. They're going to get to know you. And they're going to take wonderful care of you because they are the official jeweler of TMA. It's Glenn Betts Jewelers at Glenn Betts Jewelers. Dot com. Ladies and gentlemen, we are giving away Hootie and the Blowfish tickets for today's Design Air Heating and Cooling email of the day. That concert taking place on Saturday, June 1st, 2024. It's time for the Design Air Heating and Cooling email of the day. And young ASMR Talbot's here, the author of Ken's favorite paintings and posters. Mm. 
I actually take forest scenery photos and also family portraits at Sears. It's the holiday season, and I am running a buy one, get five for 25% off Easter special that includes a baker's dozen wallet picks. Sounds like Olin Mills. Slots are filling up, so act fast. Thanks. That's from number one Asian intern Brian Henshin. Brian Henshin. About Christmas, Thanksgiving. It's all before Easter. First off, Tim looked incredible Saturday night. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, he did. My mallet. You know the old adage, a guy forgets his second sexual experience with a man? Is that an old adage? Forgets his second one? <laughs> I don't think so. And mine was Saturday night. Trivia. Men's lavatory. Stall two. I was hurrying between rounds when a familiar face with his khakis draped around a rumpf, his ankles. You like that? A rumpf? I saw stall two. <laughs> People should flush that toilet when you're done. Oh, oh leave a totem pole? No. No, it was just... Urine. Uh, uh, Jimmy did the door latch open. Room for one more? I was like, I can't tinkle if you're watching me. He just smiled and said, that's cool. Pee-pee isn't the liquid I'm looking for. I want the good stuff. Oh, oh, oh gosh. Uh, see that, oh. Sarah? I didn't even see him. <laughs> Besides, I voted for email because I wanted you here tonight. Because I can't deny it anymore. I want you bad, like real bad. I rejected the notion of oral immediately, and he switched tactics. Dude must have done his homework because he knew I'm a sucker for good music. He started singing some ABBA. If you like it from behind, I'm the first in line. Honey, I'm still free. Take a chance on me. That's from Anita. Then she has the middle name B, and then her last name is J, like John J. Anita Bajay. Okay. Radio Gold today, boys. So last week I received a letter from my apartment complex telling me they are moving me from an 890-square-foot apartment to a 790-square-foot apartment. Now I have to figure out what to do with all my extra stuff. I have at least 50 paintings of The Cure, Lady Gaga, Grace Jones, Pitbull, that I guess I'm going to have to take down and peel the scotch tape off the corners and roll up in a rubber band to put in a box. I have no idea what I'm going to do with my eight-seat dining room table and hutch wine refrigerator and all my Bud and Bud Light neons I had in my man cave. So if anyone wants a sectional and 70-inch flat screen or anything else I mentioned in the email, I guess hit up my dumpster in front of my complex. Thanks, that's from Grimy from South County. Grimy from South County. What up, world? Call Jenny Craig because Drink just put Josh Heupel and his jumbo turkey neck on a strict diet of L's. Cody Schrader, ooh la la. Our state hasn't seen anyone run like that since Ken ran the Brentwood High School cinder track barefoot his sophomore year to try to get some ass and accidentally set an intramural record that still stands to this day. If he can go from D2 to D1 and have such success, then there's hope that TMA can someday graduate out of your piss-adjacent HD2 closet and slam an HD1. And nothing like a five foot eight nerdy southern accent drink what's repeatedly saying stand on business to announce the SEC Blue Bloods that they're officially on notice. Looking back, it hurts to say, but it's true. Had Missouri won, worn the Block M helmets between the hedges, we'd still be competing for a natty. Mm-hmm. But the past is the past, and these Tigers the future. Please, God, give us anyone but Tulane in a New Year's Six Bowl. Watch this, Doug. We got Eli Drinkwitz waiting, and I want to talk some Mizzou hoops. Fight Tiger. That's from Tiger Terry. Okay, Tiger Terry with an enthusiastic email. 
I watched in awe as my uncle's tuckus seemed to swallow the recently refurbished rib detachment from the Sibian. Oh, here we I go. procured from an estate sale in Country Life Acres. Oh, that'd be a good estate sale there. Those are nice houses. As he increased his cadence, a bead of sweat ran down his cheek, and his colon seemed to shed tears of spiced ground beef. Oh! It stung my nostrils. Those aren't tears. It piqued my curiosity. His brown eel became my meal. Oh, Think about it, Doug. That's God. from Tunnels 12K. Tunnels 12K <laughs> with a vile email not worthy of your vote. I want to thank the known swinger and the other couple guys that are so unhappily married that they left their wife and children to drive to Maryland Heights on a Sunday morning to help me carry a CD rack, a hat rack, a goat rack, a baking rack for a now defunct cooking show only watched by the people participating in this move. A signed Henry Garza guitar and the leftover tie-dyed bowling shirts that my boss and his boss made me take home on Friday after I went to his office to ask him why he threw them away. He didn't throw them away. I talked to John this morning. He didn't throw them away. He said, I didn't even know they were there. I take a lot of heat on the show. Most of it warranted. A little bit not. But I'll tell you what. It warms my emphysema-filled heart to know that they're still good out here in this world. The fact that there are strangers that would literally drive out to my government-funded spank shed to help me move eight feet to a slightly smaller yet somehow more expensive spank shed instead of staying home drinking whiskey at 9.30 a.m. while their screaming kids throw pancakes on the wife they haven't had sex with since the honeymoon makes me know this world's going to be okay. Mm. That's from Pop Pop on the Beat So It's Nice. No, Doug, so it's not nice. On the beat, so it's not nice. And finally, I just want to thank everyone who contributed to making TMA Trivia Night at St. Gabe such a great event. Thank you, Salt and Smoke, for providing the delicious brisket and Cracker Mac. Thank you to my squad, including the Hipster Tower Grove South, Corey G., Alvin Mack, and Manupal Eligible for contributing to our team win. Thank you, Plowsy, for doing a fine job curating the movie trivia category, especially considering he attended a high school football game in Perryville Friday night, then the Illini overtime win in Champaign on Saturday afternoon, and presumably was effed up for all of it. Mm. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Thank you, Iggy, for writing tough but fair music questions that had all clear-cut answers. The bonus prize pack, which was basically a creed from the office-style plastic bag full of random stuff he had lying around his apartment and featured an extra-large T-shirt titled Preppy, featuring a picture of Iggy posing next to his VW Bug that I'm planning to get framed and hung like a painting, a Dillian Harper apron that I can wear when making pancakes with my kids, a knockoff brand um, Brockabrella, and coasters featuring Iggyisms like if you want this life, it's not that hard to get. And it's not a lie, it's just a misquote of myself. I know a lot about asinine trivia questions with various correct answers that may or may not be accepted, and it's great. How's Jackson Burkett? Are we gonna bring that back? How about that whole how about that whole deal? Jackson actually allowed a margin of error of 50 feet on the question of how tall is the arch. Is that how they grade math at Horton Watkins? Hey, you were 8% off the correct answer, but we're going to give it to you anyway. Jesus! Thank you, Doug, for handling the backlash from Jackson's asinine questions with tremendous aplomb. 
Thank you, Jesse, and everyone at Hubbard for organizing the event. And thank you to Tim for bringing so many great friends together within this traveling circus of nitwittery. That's from Buck Swope. Doug, you were adamant that it had to be 630 feet or nothing yes, at all. of course, because it's a round number that people know or should know. Jackson, would you like to issue a statement? No. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all we have for the Design Air Heating and Cooling oh. email of the day. What well, you got? The one that nobody got was when was St. Louis founded? I don't think anybody got that. Mm -hmm. 1764? I, I, I gave the, God, the 50 I, feet thing because I tested it out on some people here, and people got none of the St. Louis history questions right, like zero really? of them. That's so I, I had to adjust it a little. All right. Well, Swope had a nice little email today, as well did uh, Tiger Terry, but I'm going to give it to uh, Pop Pop on the beat so it's not nice. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, those are three good emails. There were uh, some great ones. Today. Unusual because they were. It's all, the hoodie and the blowfish they tickets. Were all pretty good. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm gonna go with pop pop. Blueberry pop pop oh. is shipped. The design air heating and cooling email today, and now has a two goal lead. Who Most you dangerous. I was White. I was considering uh, Anita with the middle name B, and then her last name is J. Pop pop was one of the. I I really liked the uh, when this guy at the trivia night turned around and said. I uh, I he wanted the good stuff. He didn't want the <laughs> want the urine. PP like, isn't the liquid I'm looking for. I want the good stuff. I felt uh -oh. like that was a line worthy of. Your eel is my meal. Almost did it for me. And mm. Timmy Walters was so good too. Or was that Tunnels 12K? Oh, they're, they're, 12K. Different, they're different people, so I can't keep. Sure they are. <laughs> it's time for us to shut it down. For the Plowick for Action Jackson, for Kenneth Iggy Strode, for my brother Kevin, for Douglas Sullivan Vaughn, I'm Tim McKernan, and this has been TMA, presented by Brown and Crouppen from the Michelob Ultra Studios.